Well, welcome again. Uh, my name is Lucas Dorado, and I am the RUF campus minister at UConn. And uh, RUF is our denomination's campus ministry. And I've been at, this is now my 10th year at UConn, so I've been around uh, quite some time now. And I'm, uh, which makes me more and more thankful for this church because uh, RUF and my job would not exist apart from this church. And uh, you all have given uh, so much to make RUF happen, and you've loved my family and me so well over the years. So thank you. Uh, and it's really a joy and a privilege to be with you this morning. And uh, just to give an update. Uh, so the school year at UConn is underway, and there's about 5,000 or so students that came back to live on campus, and there's a bunch more that kind of live near campus, and a lot of them have like one class a week in person, and like literally like one hour a week, or maybe zero hours, and so they do a lot online, and uh, we're not allowed to meet as a group formally on campus yet, so we do Zoom gatherings, but we're on campus a lot, and it's just been a really actually great start to the school year um, in spite of the obstacles. We've just connected with a lot of uh, students, new and old, and uh, I wanted to introduce, um, I have two new interns that we've been praying about for a long time, Sophie and Taylor. They're, would you guys just stand up and do like a little like wave, that's Sophie and Taylor. They're just wonderful. You guys can sit now. And uh, it's just been a joy to work with them in these first couple weeks already. And uh, so I hope you'll get to know them because they're just great. Uh, this morning, I uh, am going to be preaching from Luke 10, verses 38 through 42, this short little story about Mary and Martha. And uh, I chose this text because uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was just reading through Luke and came across this as I was kind of preparing for the semester of ministry at UConn. And for me, August is just like a stressful time and a lot of thoughts are whirling around in my head and, you know, wondering uh, as, as I make plans for the school year, for this ministry where we want to glorify God. And it's very easy for me to just caught up and get caught up in what there is to do and lose sight of why I'm even doing this work. And so uh, this text just has stuck with me. And I thought, you know what, why don't I stick with it and preach on it in a couple weeks? And so that's what uh, we're going to be looking at this morning, this just wonderful short story. Uh, so let me read it for us. Uh, Luke, te- Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Uh, Pray with me again. Father, as we come to this text now, uh, we just come from so many different places, and many of us do come from a place of anxiety, stress, and restlessness. Uh, Some of us come in faith, and others come with doubts. Um, Some are eager to hear from you, others of us feel distant from you, and Uh, No matter who we are and where we come from this morning, we pray that you would meet us there 
uh, with this word. Uh, change our hearts, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, so I've been married to my wife Maggie for eight and a half years now, and um, we have been, uh, we've, it's been wonderful, and uh, every now and then we think back to our wedding day, and uh, we had a really short engagement. We were only engaged for three months, and we planned a pretty big, awesome wedding, and uh, a big party, and a lot of friends kind of flew in from all over, and it was really great. And I wasn't in charge of too much of it. I did book a band for our reception, though, a really cool band. And, uh, you know, thinking back on my wedding day and all the preparations that went into it, uh, I'm glad we have good pictures because the day to me is kind of just a blur. Like even the next day, I was just like, what happened yesterday? And uh, because, you know, there was just a lot of planning and details that went into it. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? Because you do all these things to commemorate this day and set it apart. And because you're doing all these things, it can become kind of a blur. And I want to suggest to you, and I think a lot, you know this, that the Christian life can be just like that. Uh, maybe for some of you, you think, well, you know, I've been a Christian. I've been following Jesus for a long time. And, you know, I used to really enjoy him. And now I'm kind of just busy all the time. Uh, you know, I used to feel like closeness, closeness with him, but now my day is just packed and I'm exhausted at the end of every day. And, you know, where did that go? Where did that joy go? Where did that delight go? And that's where this text meets us. Uh, verse 41 says, Jesus says to Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. And these are they're good things, uh, but they're good things that obscure the good thing. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning. It's just thinking about the many things and the one necessary thing. And so first of all, let's spend some time thinking about the many things through the lens of this character, Martha. Uh, At the beginning of this text, Jesus and his disciples are traveling and they get to this village. Uh, We think the village is Bethany because in John chapter 11, it mentions that there's Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus that live in Bethany. And they and Jesus enters Martha's house. And uh, so we think Martha is a friend of Jesus. We think she's someone Jesus knew. He was friends with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And uh, so Jesus enters his house and Martha has this sister, Mary, who's just sitting at Jesus' feet. And what you need to know about sitting at Jesus' feet is that it's the posture of a disciple with a rabbi. Uh, so if you, were a, if you wanted to be a disciple of any rabbi in that day, you would sit at his feet and learn. And so Mary is taking this posture of a disciple. And meanwhile, it says that Martha is distracted with much serving. And she says to Jesus, do you not care? And Jesus responds by saying, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Uh, I want us to think about what are the many things? And the many things have an external and an internal component. First of all, there's this external component of there are cultural expectations in play. You know, especially uh, if you're a woman and what your expectation would be as far as hospitality and service would be. And uh, what what the expectation would not be would be to do what Mary does, which is sit at a rabbi's feet, which is something only a man would do in that society. Uh, And yet Jesus welcomes it. 
which is wonderful. Uh, but uh, the expectation would be you, you, you start serving some food. And, you know, uh, I don't, we don't know how many people, it's like Jesus was traveling with his disciples, you know, and there were some other people too. So are there like dozens of people in this house that are needing to be served? And there's just this expectation of hospitality uh, that we feel even today. Like if a bunch of people show up at our house, we think like, how, what do they need? I want us to think about what, what is that in our life? You know, what's like the thing that you just have to do and there's no choice? In other words, what's your grind? You know, like you, maybe you wake up and your phone starts lighting up, emails start coming in, texts, important things that you just have to do. Or maybe uh, little people wake you up in the morning and from that moment on, you're just occupied and you don't really have much of a choice or maybe you're a student and it's just like you know one class ends and you start thinking about the next one and you start thinking about where you got to be and you know there's all these things that kind of take up a lot in our life and it's honestly a lot right Um, but then there's this internal component of the many things as well uh, because there's just a way that we want things to go Uh, I have two little kids, and my kids are now kind of old enough that they play together, which is great. But, like, a lot of the things they play together are, like, building something together or, you know, like, acting something out together. And when you have two little people, like, they know exactly what they want, and it's never, like, the same thing. And so there's this, you know, what do you do? I want it this way. I want it this way. And then there's this big, like explosion in our house basically um and it doesn't stop when you're like we find more respectable ways to do this as grown-ups but like we know how we want things to go and it often makes us angry right it often makes us frustrated uh just when it doesn't go the way we thought it should go i i can remember uh when i was a college student I got to spend a semester abroad. I went to the south of France for a semester. And, you know, it's technically called, like, study abroad. But it's really just like, you know, I got my parents to pay for a vacation for me. And I got college credit for it. And it was great. But I can remember planning for going abroad and thinking about my semester. And I was an RUF student, pretty uh, committed to following Jesus at the time, but struggling to make time for Jesus in my day-to-day life as a student. I can remember thinking as I prepared to go, like, this is going to be a great semester because I'm finally going to, like, have time to kind of really, like, focus on maybe reading the Bible more and my prayer life more. And as it turned out, I did have a lot more time and I prayed like less, I think. And, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways was further from the Lord. And, you know, what I did instead of praying more, reading my Bible more, was sit around and worry more and kind of wonder about, well, how is my life going to go? Am I going to be okay? Like, what do I need to be thinking about and planning and getting ahead in the game? And uh, it was exhausting. It was, it, the joy was sapped out of me uh, in the process. And so there's this internal component. Even if you're not busy, uh, you can have a busy heart. So Martha, in this story, has a way she wants things to go, and Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet, just sitting there, 
uh, listening to Jesus teach and soaking it up. And it makes Martha say, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And if you know your Bible, you really have to hear an echo of what the disciples say when they're in the boat and there's a storm and Jesus is just asleep. They say the same thing. They say, Jesus, do you not care that we're perishing here? Do you see where being preoccupied with the many things takes her? It takes her all the way to, Jesus must just not care about me. And could anything be farther from the truth? I mean, we know something about, we know that Martha is actually like a good friend of Jesus, let alone the fact that he came into the world to save her. Uh, But that's where she is in this moment. And that's where we go all the time, right? We get occupied with a lot of things and it becomes frustrating and we lose sight of what's true and we immediately go to, man, maybe Jesus doesn't care about, maybe he's not there. And she even goes so far as to command Jesus. She's like ordering around Jesus in this story. Uh, I heard a pastor who preached on this text recently uh, say, he put it like this. He said, the irony is that Martha is not enjoying Jesus because she's working so hard for Jesus. We do this all the time. Uh, you You can do all kinds of things in the name of Jesus and not enjoy him in the process. There are lots of other good things in life, working jobs, raising kids, going to school, uh, relating to friends, serving others. And just because you're doing all those good things doesn't say anything about whether or not you're enjoying Jesus, whether or not you're in communion with him. And so I think this this text is subtly asking us Uh, This first question of, do you really have to do, like, everything you're doing? Do you really have to be, like, thinking about everything you're thinking about? You know, think about Martha. Did Martha really have to be doing all that serving? It's kind of like, well, she kind of did, but, like, Jesus just fed the 5,000 one chapter before. So, like, he probably, if she dropped the ball, he probably could have picked it up, Right? And what I hope you'll see is that Martha isn't, like, I think it's our tendency to picture Martha as this, like, unhinged, like, crazy lady with, like, wild eyes, like, wielding a mop and rubber gloves and just can't relax. And uh, that's not actually, I don't think that's what she's like at all. I think she's a lot like us. Uh, we, We know that Jesus, first of all, loved Martha. Like, particularly in John chapter 11, when it talks about her, it actually mentions her by name over Mary. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Uh, And she seems pretty bought into who Jesus is. She actually confesses to Jesus, like, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God. So she really gets it on a lot of levels. But here, she can't even enjoy Jesus, and she questions his goodness. Uh, So uh, what are you busy doing and thinking about that's making you miss Jesus? Uh, What are the good things that Jesus would actually have you not do uh, so that you could sit at his feet and soak up his love and enjoy him? Uh, So that's the many things. But I want to look now at the one necessary thing. And we see this through Mary, uh, Martha's sister. Uh, In response to Martha, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Uh, 
but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And what you need to know about the good portion is that this is language from the uh, conquest of the promised land, for the division of the land. So when uh, God brought his people Israel into the promised land, uh, they divided it up. There were 12 tribes of Israel, and each tribe got a different portion, an inheritance in the land, except for one tribe, which was Levi, the Levites, who were the priests. Uh, They mediated the relationship between God and the people. And so in in those texts like Deuteronomy and Joshua, it says the, the Levites will have no inheritance in the land because the Lord is their inheritance. He's, the Lord is their portion. And as the Bible goes on, psalmists start to pick up this language and the book of Lamentations picks it up and God's people start to say, all of God's people, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is everything to me. And, you know, if, if the Lord's not your portion, then what is your portion? Your portion, I'll just let that go by, okay. Uh, Your portion is what you produce. Your portion is what you have to show for yourself. And no wonder we get so anxious when we're not sitting at Jesus' feet. Because the things we have to show for ourselves, the things we produce are so fragile. You know, maybe your portion is your family, and we know that... All kinds of things can happen to families just like that. Or maybe your portion is like what you produce, what you provide for people. And it's important. But, you know, those things, we live in a time where we feel how precarious that stuff is uh, so acutely. And everything else that you could find life in is really just the most fragile thing. And it can be taken from you in an instant. Uh, I do call, I've been doing RUF ministry for a long time. And so I'm connected to guys who do my job all over the country and the world. And I heard a story from one guy. He, he, he ministers at kind of more of an elite university. And uh, one year at the school he works at, uh, they had this like uh, motivational kind of campaign where the slogan for the year for all the students was become essential. And so everywhere you walked on campus, you would see banners and they would say like become essential you know, to try to motivate the students. And really, the opposite, it was just so crippling, right? It's like, wait a minute, I need to become essential? Like, to, to the world? Me? Uh, it's a lot of pressure to put on anyone. Uh, I had another friend tell me recently about uh, growing up, and a phrase in his house that he heard a lot, particularly from his father, was, hey, make yourself useful, which is kind of a benign thing to say, but when you hear it a lot and you absorb it a lot, it's just like, wait, I need to be useful? Like, I can't just be? I need to actually be useful. And that's the message that we hear everywhere. Uh, You are what you produce. Go produce something. Go be, be essential. And this text, the gospel, invites us to rest in what Jesus produced instead. Uh, One commentator put it this way. He said, when Jesus expects us to follow him all the way, he he means not a frenzy of religious activity undertaken in our own strength, but the total abandonment of ourselves to him, for him to work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
You see what he's saying there? He's saying, like, we hear, like, you know, Jesus wants us to follow him all the way. And we immediately think, like, all right, let's get busy. I got to start doing important things for Jesus. And what he actually wants is for us to sit at his feet and be transformed at our core by his love. Uh, It doesn't mean that busyness is necessarily bad, right? The Apostle Paul seemed to get a lot done uh, in his life. Uh, But Jesus cares about why we're busy, Are you busy because you just have to get this stuff done or else? Or are you busy because you've joyfully surrendered your life to the king? Uh, It's no coincidence that right before this account in Luke is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, The parable of the Good Samaritan is one of the most demanding teachings of Jesus about neighbor love and the cost of neighbor love. Uh, Yet, this text, Mary and Martha, is placed right after us. As, after that, as a reminder that you know, lest you think that what you do gets you anywhere with God, look at Mary here. Look at the story of Mary and Martha. Um, so Jesus doesn't need you. Uh, he doesn't need you to make everything turn out exactly the way He wants it. Uh, he doesn't even need you to do your job. Even if you're a pastor, even if you're a doctor, even if you're a teacher, even if you're uh, whatever, he just doesn't need that. He doesn't need you even to raise your kids the right way. He could do it. He just doesn't need you to get it right because he got it right. He doesn't want anything from you. He just wants you. He wants to make you who you were always meant to be. He wants to set you free. Uh, there's an easy response to this text, which would be like, you know what? I'm going to pray this week. You know, I'm going to read my Bible this week. I'm going to hear the gospel a lot this week. And that would be a good response to this text. But remember that Jesus looks on the heart. Martha is serving Jesus and she misses Jesus. And you can read your Bible and pray and still miss Jesus too. And you'll still be frantic and joyless and unkind. But this text invites us to cultivate a heart that sits at Jesus' feet. How do you do that? you got to just look at Jesus a lot. And we can see him in this text. Look at what Jesus is doing in this text. Uh, At the beginning of the passage, it says they're on their way somewhere. Where are they on their way to? They're on their way to Jerusalem. It says that in Luke 9, 51. It says that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And that's uh, borrowing language from Isaiah chapter 50, uh, the suffering servant of God, this prophecy that said there would one day come a servant uh, that would come and be humiliated on behalf of, you know, as a way to save God's people. He would come and be humiliated, and yet he had set his face like a flint. It's this picture of resolute determination. Uh, Resolute determination to do what? To go and die. In other words, what was the one necessary thing for Jesus? Go and die. I got to go get the church. I got to bring them back into the bosom of the Father. In in other words, what's his portion? It's us. We're his portion, which is pretty amazing when you think about what we're like, right? How much we're like Martha, 
and how much we're like the disciples and when we quickly call into question his love. You know, if the disciples, you know, in and around this passage are Jesus is predicting his death uh, to his disciples. He's saying, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And the disciples are just like, what? Like, they don't hear, they cannot hear him. And then they turn on him when it gets really hard. You know, Martha, while serving Jesus, calls into question his love and starts ordering him around. And yet Jesus has only tenderness for Martha. He says, he doesn't say, how could you? He says, Martha, Martha. And that's for all the disciples. He doesn't say, he doesn't, as the disciples all turn on him, he does not turn on them. He dies for them. He secures them in the bosom of the Father for eternity. And when you have a love like that, that you can't lose, then you can rest and sit at Jesus' feet more and grow in love more and become someone great, not because you produce anything necessarily, but because you're connected to the one who made you, the one who made everything. Not to mention that your service to Jesus and your love for others will be way more effective. And anxiety begins to fall away. Because the one thing you need is something you already have. It's something that's guaranteed to you that you cannot lose. And so in closing, you know, may we become people that can sit at Jesus' feet. And may God do amazing things through us because... We're people uh, that sit at Jesus' feet. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, you know how uh, quick we are to get caught up in so many things and forget about your love and uh, become anxious and just have life become a shadow of what it was meant to be. We pray that you would uh, secure us in your love, uh, transform us by this gospel. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.